0: Some businesses make Woke Free a selling point. A number of companies, from clothing to pet care, are trying to appeal to customers who think corporate America is pushing a liberal agenda. Jonathan Isaac is a forward for the National Basketball Association's Orlando Magic, but he is perhaps better known as someone who chose not to protest police brutality against black Americans during a summer of widespread activism involving racial injustice. Mr. Isaac, who is black, turned that singular moment in July 2020, when he decided not to join many other NBA players in kneeling during the national anthem as the league restarted in a COVID-bubble setting in Orlando, Florida, into a platform as a conservative political activist. In 2022, he spoke at a rally of Christian nationalists and anti-vaccine Americans and wrote a book about why he did not join the protest. This year, he started Unitas, an apparel company centered on faith, family and freedom. I wanted my values to be represented in the marketplace, especially when it came to sports and leisure wear, Mr. Isaac said in an interview. Most companies used to do everything they could to avoid political controversies and, by extension, risk alienating potential customers. No longer. Seemingly everything in the United States is political now, including where you shop for socks and leggings. Companies like Anheuser-Busch and Target have recently faced backlash from the right over marketing and advertising decisions that were seen as a liberal Trojan horse, Anheuser-Busch for a transgender influencer's promotion of Bud Light and Target for its Pride Month displays. Unitas is one of a growing number of companies, from clothing retailers to pet care businesses, trying to appeal to those who have recoiled from what they see as corporate America pushing a progressive, liberal agenda. Unitas is featured on Public Square, an online marketplace aimed at promoting companies it calls pro-life, pro-family, and pro-freedom. Public Square. Began in July 2022 and now has more than 65,000 small businesses on its platform, noting a spike in numbers after the Bud Light and Target disputes. The platform offers a nice, refreshing sort of break from companies that have voiced more progressive views, said Michael Seifert, the founder and chief executive of Public Square, mentioning businesses like Target, Ben & Jerry's and Bank of America. Since Donald J. Trump was elected president in 2016, large corporations have faced heightened scrutiny both from potential customers and their own employees, concerning their values. This includes everything from how companies publicly reacted to policies like Mr. Trump's ban on immigration from several Muslim-majority countries to political donations by companies or their top executives. In turn, many companies made public declarations in support of diversity and inclusion. In 2018, Nike teamed up on an ad campaign with the former NFL player Colin Kaepernick, who had started a movement of athletes kneeling to protest police brutality against black Americans. After a Minneapolis police officer murdered George Floyd in 2020, many companies pledged financial support to and released statements of solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. In 2022, proposed legislation in Florida that opponents viewed as anti-LGBTQ faced corporate resistance. Tracy Rank-Christman, a professor of marketing at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, said the more leftward turn of some major companies in the mainstream could be driving away those with more conservative views. Some of these consumers are essentially having either a boycott or backlash to these brands that are engaging in behaviours that do not align with their values, said Ms. rank Chrisman, who studies consumer psychology. What's driving the backlash is nothing new. According to research from Ms. Rank-Christman and other academics, consumers with what are known as stigmatised identities often take collective action against a company that they feel is attacking that identity. It has happened in the past with companies like Chick-fil-A, which drew criticism from the left for its support of conservative causes. In this case, Ms. Rank-Chrisman said that identity is on the political right. Those same views, however, are squarely within the mainstream on Public Square. Mr. Seyfert said that most businesses on the platform did not explicitly state their views, that every business was required to check a box and sign a commitment to Public Square's core principles. They include a belief in the greatness of this nation, a vow to protect the family unit and celebrate the sanctity of life, and a belief that small businesses and the communities who support them are the backbone of the economy. What's most important, Mr. Seyfert said, is that businesses on the platform don't antagonize traditional values in the way he said some large corporations have. Still, some companies on the platform promote their conservative bona fides more emphatically than others. Kevin Jones is the manager of Tiny Dog, an e-commerce pet supply business that he runs with his wife, Myra, out of Kingsport, Tennessee. Mister. Jones said in an interview that he had been planning to work with another pet supplier in the state to expand his business, but that he had balked after it asked him for his stance on the whole woke agenda. That experience persuaded him to join Public Square. He said, and market pet products to people who shared his values. Tiny Dog features no political or social messaging on its website, but Mr. Jones said his company didn't cater to alternative lifestyles. He also said Tiny Dog had received a significant uptick in interest since it joined Public Square. Others on the platform don't necessarily view themselves as being conservative or catering to a particular political ideology. Mike Ritland, who founded a company that offers goods and training for dogs and is on Public Square, said he didn't think of his company as anti-woke, even though the platform calls itself that. He said he just wanted a way to increase his business, but for the companies that cater to consumers who share their conservative values, it doesn't matter if they turn away more liberal buyers, or ones who just don't want to see 100% woke free American beer when they crack open a cold one, as is the case with ultra right beer. In the short run, these companies know they're targeting a niche market, said C.B. Botachaya, a professor at the Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh they are concerned less about maximising profit and more about standing by their values. For a company that's genuinely concerned about catering to consumers who oppose abortion, for example, the bottom line may not be paramount. Even if it is just Reds versus Blues, they're already slicing the market in half, and they're saying, well, we don't even care about the Blues, Mr. Bhattacharya said. But whether these companies are sustainable in the long run is a more complicated calculus. A company whose business model depends on politically disaffected consumers is subject to constantly shifting political winds, as much as it is to supply chain issues. The energy that fuels consumers to boycott offending companies, and seek alternatives, also tends to be fleeting. According to Mr. Bhattacharya's research, the prominent boycotts of Chick-fil-A, by liberals, and Starbucks, by conservatives, in 2012 didn't hurt those companies. In fact, sales increased, perhaps owing to the energizing of consumers who supported those companies' stances. An issue driving consumers to seek alternatives may also lose political salience, forcing businesses that have made it part of their appeal to change their approach. Nushing Warren, a professor of marketing at the University of Arizona, said that if LGBTQ rights became less politicized and more accepted across the country, conservative companies would have to rethink their strategy. Another problem is that some issues important to conservative consumers, such as not buying goods made in China, run up against economic reality. Mr. Cypher said each business on public square, is asked to make its products in the United States or to get as many of its products as possible from there, but he acknowledged that manufacturing in China is necessary for some. A spokeswoman for Unitas said in an email that it made its products in Peru and Bangladesh, but that it was committed to never sourcing Uniters products from China. For Mr. Isaac's part, he hopes Uniters becomes a leader in producing sleek and comfortable apparel and champions his core values, faith, family and freedom which he said are under assault by mainstream corporations Unitus is for me giving people that encouragement to say no i stand for these values these values are important to me and now i can wear them in a stylish high quality way mr isaac said
1: and today i'm going to read to you my review of michael wolf's latest book about fox news It's called The Fall, The End of Fox News and the Murdoch Dynasty. In it, Wolf, who is maybe best known for his three-volume dissection of Donald Trump and his administration, takes a stab at doing the same kind of thing with Rupert Murdoch's cable empire. When we published this review on September 21st, Murdoch actually announced that very day that he was stepping down from the boards of Fox News and News Corp which are the remaining parts of his sprawling newspaper empire. Whether that makes a difference or not remains to be seen, but Wolf in his book does present a very interesting argument that the glory days of Fox News, when it was one of the most powerful media outlets in the English-speaking world, are coming to an end. Here's my review. Michael Wolff's new book is a chronicle of very recent events that starts with something that hasn't happened yet. The death of Rupert Murdoch, who at this moment is 92 years old and very much alive. A prologue in the form of a deadpan mock obituary, by far the most sober and judicious stretch of pages in this cornucopia of innuendo and convoluted prose, sets up a headlong tumble through 18 months of uncertainty and upheaval at Fox News and among its custodians in the Murdoch family. A story of chaotic corporate stewardship and generational conflict unfolds in the shadow of a looming actuarial certainty. Wolf knows what you might be thinking. Yes, yes, he acknowledges, here is quite a bit of the raw inspiration for Succession, that Romana Clay soap opera about You-Know-Who and his family and their empire. But despite the obvious parallels between the Roys and the Murdochs, Wolf offers The Fall as a TV newsroom sitcom rather than a family tragedy a gritty reboot of the mary tyler moore show you might say in wolf's view playing the saga for laughs is a risky choice to treat the fox phenomenon and the murdoch family as a cultural confection ripe for comedy he writes may be dangerously close to liberal sacrilege maybe you could also argue that laughing at fox news and at donald trump the subject of Wolf's recent best-selling trilogy and a major offstage character in the fall, has been a cherished liberal pastime for years. Not that Wolf, who likes to play peekaboo with his own ideological leanings, has anything but contempt for a media mainstream, the Times very much included, that he sees as imprisoned by soggy left-leaning sentiments. In any case, it's not that he thinks Fox or Trump is a joke, but rather that his professed ability to suspend political judgment allows him to be amused by the inner workings of power, rather than appalled by its outer manifestations. He is less interested in the public position of Fox News than in its private life, or as he puts it, what is in its heart or churning in its stomach. This psychoanatomical method, picking brains and poking at entrails, is more or less how he approached the Trump administration in Fire and Fury, Siege and Landslide. Like Trumpland, Murdoch World presents Wolf with a sprawling, raucous spectacle, equal parts farce, melodrama, and gangland potboiler. The Fall updates The Man Who Owns the News, Wolf's 2008 portrait of Murdoch, and refracts the public record through a lens of gossip, backbiting, and trash talk. With the exception of Roger Ailes, who died in 2017, he rarely quotes a named source, a defensible practice, perhaps, when dealing with so many backstabbers and underminers. But Wolfe doesn't rely on clearly individuated anonymous sources either. Instead, assertions of fact and judgments of character emerge through a hazy collective consciousness. Lachlan Murdoch is a chucklehead, his brother James is a hothead, Laura Ingram is a drunk, Sean Hannity is a moron. Who says so? In the last case, it's Ailes, but otherwise, it's impossible to tell. Family and friends. Close Murdoch retainers. When Kimberly Guilfoyle settles into a private plane on the way to Ailes' funeral, Wolf writes, what was also clear, if you wanted it to be, was that she was wearing no underwear. In this case, the source seems to be the reader's own dirty mind. If you've been following the news, you know the story told in the fall, and you know how it ends. What suspense there is arises from questions that start out trivial and end up moot. How much will Fox pay to settle a lawsuit brought by Dominion, one of the voting machine companies at the center of Trump's lies about the 2020 election? What Fox star will be fired? In case you've already forgotten, the answers are $787.5 million and Tucker Carlson. As we wait for those shoes to drop, Murdoch's fourth marriage to the former model Jerry Hall is coming to an end, and his relationships with the children from his second marriage, James, Lachlan, and Elizabeth, are in a state of perpetual churn. There isn't quite enough drama to be wrung out of the month-by-month narrative of a year and a half, so Wolf rehashes earlier episodes of palace intrigue and family dysfunction and offers a pocket history of Fox in the Trump era. Apart from the ascendance of Trump himself, those years saw the ouster of Roger Ailes and the sale of Murdoch's movie and non-news television holdings to Disney. In Wolf's telling, Ailes, who had run Fox as a toxic, highly profitable personal thief within Murdoch's empire, was brought down not by the women he had harassed and demeaned, but by Rupert's sons, who, along with their other siblings, each pocketed $2 billion in the Disney deal. The source of their vendetta was the dissonance between their genteel liberal values and fox's bellicose conservatism james portrayed here as a blustering idealist is quoted as wanting to make the channel a force for good wolf treats this sentiment almost like a punchline as evidence that the murdoch children are quote comically at odds with the fox brand that's true of rupert too whose politics Wolf characterizes as Reagan-Thatcherite boilerplate, generally anti-left, pro-business, suit-and-tie stuff. Under Ailes, Fox News turned into something else, a volcano of cultural paranoia and racial resentment, often euphemized as populist. Wolf's pages on Carlson, while often insightful, tend to skate over how heavily Carlson's appeal leans on overt white supremacist language. But he isn't wrong in noting that by firing Carlson in the wake of the Dominion settlement, Fox quote, effectively accepted the liberal case against itself. Throughout these pages, Murdoch is quoted heaping scorn on Trump, an idiot, he calls him a fool, plainly nuts. The real subject of the fall is the schism between the former president and the network that had served as his de facto propaganda arm. Who was bigger? Wolf asks the Fox monopoly backed by the will and money of the most powerful man in the history of media, or the former president and television personality who had become the most famous man on the planet. This isn't just a two-man contest. One of Wolf's motifs is the mutual contempt between Ailes and the Murdochs. Ailes regarded them as snobs and not real Americans. They, including Rupert, increasingly regarded the network as an embarrassment, albeit a profitable one. The money continued to roll in, Wolf writes, and Fox continued to poison every aspect of the Murdoch family's presence in the world. In turning against Trump, Murdoch was also pushing back against Fox itself. With Murdoch committed to the no more Trump cause, Wolf explains, it seemed here was a real test about who was stronger, owner or newsroom, or really, owner or audience. Like Rupert Murdoch's death, The 2024 presidential election hasn't happened yet neither have any of the trump trials that may precede it without predicting how all that will go why scoop himself wolf bets against fox and backs up the wager with some convincing media analysis cable news is a shrinking platform with an aging audience and murdoch the last of the old school press barons isn't known for his mastery of digital media As Wolf observes, the fox world, the fox power, the fox effect, the fox heavy foot on 21st century America had come because of its conservative mindshare monopoly, a dominance challenged by the younger, techie right-wing world. The fall of Fox News, or at least the end of its hegemony, may thus be inevitable, even without the Murdoch drama. Rupert's recent somewhat equivocal abdication in favor of Lachlan doesn't really alter Wolf's conclusion. Lachlan, now fully in charge of Fox and News Corp, may be closer to his father in ideology and temperament than his siblings, but the corporate crisis that this exasperating, illuminating book lays out isn't, at the end, a matter of personalities or even politics. The dirt-dishing and tea-spilling make for queasy fun,